Lord, help us to not hinder everything you want to do in this place. Holy Spirit, run like a river. Lord, it's amazing. You can multiply grace. We can actually be in this building at the beginning of the service at one level, and we can actually leave the building at another level because you are God and you can multiply grace. And so, Lord, we just give you tonight and uh, we, we just pray. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated, guys. So here's how tonight is going to work. I'm going to go first. Then Ted's going to come up. And then I'm going to come back up and kind of direct how we're going to do the impartation. So rather than me have to, after I'm done with my message, introduce Ted... I'm going to introduce him now. And so you're just going to have to remember what I said when he comes up. Um, When I felt like we were supposed to do these three nights, I I asked Ted if he would co-do this with me. And here's why. Ted, bro, you're going to have to shut your ears because you don't want to, you don't want to hear this. Um, Ted is the picture of what, what, what I want us to become. Ted is a freedom fighter. Ted, he runs the Princeton Club on the east side, but his calling is so far beyond that. There is fruit all over this city. People come into that office, they get baptized in the spirit, they get freed from demons, they get whatever, and, and, that, and, and he, it's just as natural and as easy as anything. And it, but it's not just... In Madison, it's all over the world. YWAM has tapped into this guy. He goes to Africa. He goes to South America. He goes wherever God tells him to go and um, just brings the anointing of God, the ease of heaven, and this heart that is just filled with the Father's heart to touch and free people. And so um, we're so honored to have Ted here tonight. I'm so excited about this co-teaching. You know that I don't usually do co-teaching, but so we'll see how it goes. I have a certain time that I'm going to turn it over to Ted. Um, So the title of the message tonight is The Heart of a Freedom Fighter. 1 Corinthians 14.1. Pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy. The heart of a freedom fighter. I want to submit to you in point one that uh, we need to have the heart of a freedom fighter to set people free because it's really hard work setting people free. The, the ultimate freedom fighter is God himself. He comes down to Moses and he says this. He says, I have heard, I've seen the affliction of my people, and I have heard their cry, 
So I have come down to deliver them. So God, God has, has heard the cry, he's seen the affliction, and he has personally come down to set them free. That's what he says to Moses. And then he says, here's the next words he says to Moses. So I'm sending you. God is here to set his people free. But the way that he sets people free is through us. Is, he needs freedom fighters that will agree with him, that will agree with his heart. And, of course, Moses gives a whole list of reasons why. Look for somebody else. It's probably not me. Think, think again about this. And, and God says, no, no, no. It's you. I don't need great people. You'll do. I'm going to use people to set other people free. And so Moses goes in the power of the Spirit, in the power of miracles, he goes. And he says, by the word of the Lord, let my people go. And what happens? They don't go free, do they? It gets worse. Another time, let, thus says the Lord God, let my people go. Ten times. And then finally they go free. The work of setting people free is work. Even with God, even with the miraculous, even with it's, it's, it's one thing to get them free, it's another thing for them to stay free. And, and so you you got you to gotta, you gotta have a heart that is absolutely committed to freedom. There is a movie out right now called Harriet. It's the story of Harriet Tubman. She was a black uh, lady, a slave in the 1850s. She was in Maryland, and she escaped to Philadelphia. And she got to Philadelphia, and the Quakers were very much about the underground uh, railroad and the underground tunnels to, to, to set people free. And so they told her, we need you now to take the next part of your journey up to Canada because that's where you're going to be really free. And she said, I'm not going to Canada. I'm going back to Maryland. There's a whole bunch of people that need to get free. And I'm going back. I want to join you in setting people free. And so she made many trips back and forth over the next eight years. She freed 70 different slaves. She never lost one. And the way she did it was the prophetic. She was a Methodist. Methodists in those days were charismatics. <laughs> they were the Holy Spirit, go for God. They were the ones that believed in the power and believed in the working. And, and the people that worked with her said, remarked this about her. There was no one more confident of the voice of God. She would literally be going and God would say nope there's somebody and the movie depicts it the movie and this is a, a regular motion picture and it shows when she goes to prayer people just back off and people are like we need to go we need to go they're coming and she's and the guy's like no this is more important she has to hear from God then we'll know what to do next and so she through the prophetic set people free 70 people free amazing God wants us 
all of us to get free. And then he wants us to go back and set other people free. He wants us to embrace a life that is not just trying to be comfortable and trying to have as few problems as possible. He needs a people to engage. We're in a war and there are people bound everywhere and somebody has to rise up and say, God, here am I, use me. And I'm not asking for it to be easy. I'm not asking for it to be convenient. The heart of a freedom fighter. Point two is the purpose of the prophetic. 1 Corinthians 14.3. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. The, the whole realm of the prophetic in 1 Corinthians 12, it gives di- the different revelation gifts. The, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, which are supernatural information from God. A, a word of knowledge is something that's true. It's a fact about something that you could never have known except by the Holy Spirit. A word of wisdom is a prophetic word where you just know what to do. You know the next thing somebody needs to do. And it is from the Lord. It's not from study. It's just directly from the Lord. Discerning of spirits is when you can see into the spirit world, either with your spirit or sometimes it, when discerning of spirit, the, the, the most powerful discerning of spirit is you can la- actually see angels, see demons. You can see things once in a while as God does it. But these are supernatural revelatory gifts when you combine them with the simple gift of prophecy, which is simply declaring what God is saying right now. It's, it's the nowness of God. It brings God into the present. And it says this, it's for strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Here's how the prophetic works. God sees everybody in the human race, whether they're Christians or non-Christians, as buried treasure. There is something that God has put in them. There's a destiny that God has put in them. There's, there's, his image is in them. And there's a reason why he made them. And it's so easy to see people's dirt, isn't it? It's, it's very easy to see what's wrong with people. The prophetic is, a, and oftentimes, and this can be a difficulty with the prophetic, because as God opens up, you will see dirt. You will see things that are wrong. You will see motivations that are wrong. You will see things. But the way God, the reason why God's showing any of that, whenever God shows you dirt, it is to, unco- to get the dirt off so that the treasure can be revealed. So never just speak to dirt. You speak to treasure. You look for treasure. You speak to treasure. If you see dirt, you Couch it in terms of this, this is wrong, but God wants to heal that. God wants to remove that. God wants to wash that away because he wants to bring forth the real you who's you f- filled with the Holy Spirit, you in, in union with God. That's the real you, and that's the, the you that we are calling everyone into. It is for our strengthening our comfort and our encouragement. So two weeks ago, no, it's not two weeks ago, maybe a month ago, a month and a half ago, I'm in my office 
Mary Jo, uh, who's our custodian here, Mary Jo is amazing. She comes back to the office. She, she knocks on the door. She says, Pastor Tom, I have something. It's just going to take, uh, take a few seconds, really. And I said, what's going on? She said, I had a dream about you last night. She said, uh, she, she said we, we put a hot tub in the baptismal. She said, we, we, we put a hot tub, and she said, and you preached out of the hot tub. And she said, I, I, she said, it, it was so real. She said, I, maybe we're supposed to put a hot tub in the baptismal. And, and I said, I said, Mary, I said, Mary Jo, we're not going to put a hot tub in the baptismal. But I know exactly what that dream means. It was so powerful for me. God has, has you, if, if you go to this church, you know this. God has used hot tubs with me. Um, where I, I get these power encounters with people in hot tubs, but there is a prophetic reason. God wants me to know the place that the power will flow the most easily is when I'm resting in him. It, it is not when I'm striving. It's not when I'm trying to. And it is, it is this place of rest where the spirit of God can flow. John Wimber um, he died in 1997, was just a tremendous uh, equipper of the supernatural. He wrote books about power evangelism, and no one moved in the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom like John Wimber. I mean, he just, I saw him in Kansas City before he died, and he was in a wheelchair at that time, and he just starts calling people up, boom, 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 boom. And the, the flow of the Holy Spirit, John Wimber just, he moved in, and, but he would equip people, and he would equip, he'd have these huge equipping conferences, and, and one guy said, uh, you know, is there a key? Is there, is there anything you do before you minister to see, to see the kind of things that you see? Tell me, is there some, something you do every time, and John Wimber, th- and you, you got to know that he was hilarious. John Wimber was, he was very rough, but he was, but he was hilarious. He, he says, was there one Yes, actually, there is one thing. And everybody has got their pen ready to go. Before I minister, I always have a Diet Coke. <laughs> and what it, what, what, here's what he taught. When you want to minister prophetically, don't dial up. Dial down. Dial down. You don't ramp up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak for God. No, no, that's probably going to be mainly you. It's probably going to be mainly your thoughts, your energy, what you think they need to hear. Dial back. Dial back. Get your opinions out of there. Get what they look like out of your mind. Dial back. Get in the hot tub and let the Spirit speak. Let the Spirit do what only the Holy Spirit can do. The purpose of the prophetic. The prophetic brings... The surprise of intimacy. I love uh, Jack Deere has written a couple books. He was a Dallas, Theo- De- Dallas Theological Seminary professor for many years, believed in cessationism, that the gifts don't move today, and then he experienced the moving of the Holy Spirit in the ministry of Paul Cain, and he just he ended up on John Wimber's staff, and, and he wrote... Two books, one called The Power of the Spirit, one called The Voice 
uh, or surprised by the power of the Spirit. And the second one was called surprised by the voice of God. Well, he tells a story. I just love this story. He, uh, he had come over to John Wimber's church. And because of his Bible knowledge, they had a, a session with the youth group, which was about 300 kids. And it was ask ask the professor a question, and he'll give the Bible answer for it. And so there's 300 kids, and they're asking some questions. And he said, honestly, it was the most boring, dead meeting. And, uh, and he's just, he can't wait for it to be done because it, no, the kids are falling asleep. It's just bad. And, uh, but he's right at the end of the meeting, and he's about to close up. And he remembers that before he came, he brought this guy, because he was learning about prophets and prophetic people, and he had brought this prophet guy with him. And so he's, he, he says, hey, before we end, do you have anything? And the guy says, not really. I, he, he said, actually, I do have one thing. And he said, uh, young lady, about a 12-year-old girl, would you mind standing up? This girl stands up, and he says this. He said, I had a vision of you. Three nights ago, you were kneeling by your bed, and you asked Jesus if he loves you. And he wants you to know that he does. And she starts bawling because this happened. And the Spirit of God descends on the whole place. The, the surprise of God. God is alive. God knows what we're doing. God is speaking. It brings the nowness of God. It releases people from shame. Some people can't come and won't come just by a general sermon. They won't come just by a general call because there is hidden shame on their hearts that is holding them back from responding. And they're going to have to have God speak to them in some significant way. So I was asked, I get asked all the time to do youth retreats for Tom Alexander in Phoenix. And this is like a year ago, January. And the first night, we're worshiping, and I notice that there is a young lady that is not entering in. She's sitting on the, on the wall, and she's not singing. She's not doing anything. She's got purple in her hair, and I just notice her, and I'm just, that night, I'm just praying for her, and, um, and uh, the next day, we're doing this exercise in the prophetic, and the lady that's directing it says, um, so, so the, the way it works is you get God's heart for somebody, and then you go ahead and just start speaking out. And, and she said, so we're, we're going we're gonna to practice. She said, why don't we have a few of the leaders do it first? And so she said, to, to any of the leaders, we, we, we waited for a minute, and she said, do any of the leaders have something that they would like to share? And, uh, and I just had something. All of a sudden, I had something. I said, I, I, I actually have something. And I said, it's, it's for this young lady with the, with the purple hair. So what's your name, honey? She, Michaela. And I said, Michaela, um, when the prophet Samuel came to the house of Jesse to anoint the next king, Jesse didn't know which one of his sons was going to be king, but he knew one, which one it wasn't going to be. David was not even invited to the party. And he was not recognized by his dad. 
but he was recognized by God. And Michaela, God wants you to know that whatever has happened with your dad, he sees you. He sees you and he chooses you. That was the word. Didn't think much more about it till that night. That night, we're having a Holy Spirit night, and people that want to get touched by the Holy Spirit are coming up. There's Michaela. She's right front and center. And so I'm going down and praying for kids, and I pray for her, and the Holy Spirit comes on this young lady, and she falls over. There's somebody catching her, and she's just in the, the glory of God for a long time on the floor. And so Sunday afternoon, Tom is taking me back to the airport. And he says, what happened to Michaela? And I said, what what do you mean, what happened? He said, her mom sent her on this retreat as a last resort. Her her dad has, has left, single mom situation. Nobody, no drugs, no school, no counselor has been able to help her. And so we just sent her on this retreat as like a last resort. And she came back transformed. She came back a different girl. What happened to her? Here's what happened. Jesus saw her. Jesus arranged divinely for her to be there. Jesus spoke to her. Jesus touched her. And she went free. This is the work of Freedom Fighters. Judging the prophetic. Dynamite can make a way through a mountain or it can cause horrible destruction. Part of this time, Jesus said the first thing is there's going to be false Christ, there's going to be false prophets. Part of the test of this time is you can't believe everything. You've got to be willing to test the prophetic. You've got to be willing to judge the prophetic because the same dynamite that can make a way through a mountain can really mess people up horribly. 1 Thessalonians 5, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully, hold fast to that which is good. Just because it's supernatural does not mean it's God. Paul said, if I or an angel from heaven come and preach something other than has been preached, let him be accursed. You've got to judge things or you will despise it because people can get very messed up by prophecy. When the Holy Spirit comes, he speaks. And if you despise prophetic utterances and don't allow the Holy Spirit to speak, he will just back off. If you want the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to judge prophecy. And uh, so you examine it. You examine your own prophetic experience. You examine prophecies that come. We had a prophecy come that's going around the internet right now, very credible pastor, good pastor, uh, really bad prophecy about the destruction of America. All of America is going to be destroyed in November, and the China will be here, and Russia will be here, and the banks won't. And good guy, bad prophecy. And, but, but, but it was supernatural. And I, I actually wrote him a letter and said, listen, here's how it works. You get a bad prophecy, and then the enemy touches you with a little pride that you've got a revelation that no one else has. You've got this thing, and you've got to warn America, and you've got to do this. And I said, I said, 
bro, I love you. You seem like a good person. Have some of your pastor friends judge this prophecy. You're too close to it. You're just too close to it. But this prophecy isn't about what God's doing. It's about what the devil wants to do. It's not about righteousness, peace, and joy. It's about anxiety, despair, and hopelessness. It's, it's just the, it's the wrong spirit. And so the enemy wants you to come into agreement with what he's doing. He's an accuser. He's a destroyer. He, he can give you a supernatural thing. <coughs> so when prophecy comes, you've got to judge it. Even if it's a good person, credible person, you love the person, they're very sincere. God is telling me this. Judge it. And if, it's, if it doesn't feel right, then just kick it out. Good person, love that person, bad prophecy. Otherwise, you're going to get messed up. Now, you can really help people when you have a prophetic word. Here's how you can help them. A, get your identity out of being prophetic. Do not have your identity wrapped up in your ability to hear God. Here's your identity. You are loved by Jesus. Jesus is the only hero. And, and then just cushion it. This is what I think God might be saying. This is what you don't have to say, thus saith the Lord God of Israel in the King James. Just be natural about it. If it's God, it will witness with them. Here's how you can protect people encourage them to judge your prophecy. Give them your heart, give them what you think God's saying. And especially if it's really specific, say, you know, that's that's scary to me. You judge whether you think it's right. If it's the Holy Spirit, there will be a confirmation on their side. And and trust me, I have no judgment on this guy that sent this prophecy around. I was that guy at Y2K. I was the guy that saw the prop. There was a a prophetic guy, and he sent out this prophecy, and he saw America burning, and the power grid had gone down, and 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 he had conversations with people, and it was just so powerful and so prophetic. And so we needed to all get propane heaters, which we got one. We all had to get these huge water containers, which we got. And I had a special meeting the for for all, and so. Trust me, I have no judgment for that guy. I've been the guy that led that charge before. It's just, it didn't do anything good. It caused a lot of confusion and fear in the body of Christ that was completely unnecessary. And so, um, all right, judge, judge, and don't despise. All right, Ted, come on up, bro. Can we give him a round of applause? You see the light? Hey, guys, I just want to tell you, I think Tom kind of encroached into my time. But it's going to be all right. John 4, verse 3. 
We know this. Uh, we know this story. This is about the woman at the well. Let's start with verse three. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as he did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Verse 21, Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. I believe that this scripture, um, speaking about the woman at the well, is the true essence of the prophetic. Um, For me, it really encapsulates what the prophetic is, and that is to bring somebody into an encounter with Jesus. Now, a lot of times we use this scripture, and it's, it's for salvation. It's for a salvation message. But I believe when we're thinking about the prophetic and what is the prophetic, it's drawing somebody into an encounter with God. Now, we have heard many, many messages over the years. We have access to the Internet where we can hear message upon message upon message. But I think some of the most precious times in my life have been the times where I've encountered Jesus through a prophetic word. There are two types of revelation. First-hand revelation is when we hear from God for ourselves. That is the best revelation. This is when we pray and we ask God, and he, he answers our prayer. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and no man can pluck them out of my Father's hand. And so first-hand revelation is when we hear from God for our very very own. Second-hand revelation is for freedom fighters. Second-hand revelation is when I hear from God on your behalf. And apart from leading people to Christ, I think the gift of prophecy is one of the greatest privileges that we can have as freedom fighters. 
Because what happens is the prophetic word unlocks something inside of that person. It is a true key to unlock something inside of another human being. There are times in my life where I have been in desperate need of hearing from God, but I couldn't hear him. Right? Have you all been there? And at just the right time, someone would approach me with a prophetic gift and begin to prophesy things into my life that I needed to hear the very most. Guys, I just want to encourage you tonight that we are called as freedom fighters to begin to go out into the world uh, and fulfill the Great Commission. And what is the Great Commission? Go lay your hands on the sick and see them recover. Cast out demons in my name. Preach to the poor. Those are the things that we are able to do. If there's one message that I have for you in the, the 10 minutes that Tom gave me since he encroached my time... is just the word go. Go ye therefore into all the world. So many of us are living in fear. We just need to get out and go. And I'll tell you what, it is so scary at times. But I believe that if we would just recognize that we're called of God, we're ambassadors that are sent out, if we would just begin the process by going, If you want to see people healed, lay your hands on the sick and they will recover. If you want to see people set free, you've got to lay your hands on and begin to cast out the demonic entities. One of the things that is crucial is, as Tom was saying in 1 Corinthians, eagerly desire the gifts. But before that it says, pursue love. Now this is the problem, guys, is we cannot minister to other people through the Father heart of God, the love of Father God, if we don't fully understand how much he loves you. All right? You, you, you won't be able to get anywhere if you don't fully understand the revelation of God's love for yourself. Let me give you a quick example. If you grew up in a home where you were constantly berated to do more and more and more. Thank you. And so you, go up, you grew up in a, a perfectionist home. What happens with that is you have a tendency to believe that God is calling you to do more and more and more. And so sometimes what happens is we prophesy then into a life of another person through our own distorted lens. If there's one thing I can say tonight, it's just this. At the very foundation, we have to fully understand that God loves us because he loves us. There's no way that you can go from his love. If you go to the heights, he's there. If you go to the depths, he's there. Even on the far side of the sea, his hand will guide you. I'm sure you've heard this before, but it's, it's good for our ears. He loves you because he loves you because he loves you. Because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you. Even if you don't want to change, even if you don't want to change right now, he loves you because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you. 
I forgot to tell you guys something. What was that I was going to tell you? Oh, yeah. He loves you because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you. They will know that you are my disciple because you have love for one another. The prophetic anointing comes from a revelation of how much God loves you. How much he loves you as a father loves his very own child. I believe that you can give prophetic words. I think you can have words of knowledge. But if it is not couched in the love of Father God, you miss the mark. Some of the greatest privileges that I have had is to be able to speak into the life of a young person and speak from the vantage point of my revelation of who he is as father. When I was a, when I was a little boy, there were some, some things that um, caused me to have a, a bit of a misunderstanding of God's love for me. And a wise man told me, he said, as you're raising your own children, don't raise them the opposite of how you were raised. Raise them based on the revelation that you have of Father God. Can I just boast in the Lord? Had I not done that, our kids would have been fully dysfunctional. Right? I mean, you can't raise your kids based on the opposite of how you were raised. You have to raise them based on the revelation of who God is as Father. And I'm just excited to say that God has been so faithful. We have awesome kids. Children that walk with the Lord, uh, two son-in-laws, and uh, the most exciting thing is a brand new little grandbaby, little Noah. We have to have a revelation of who he is as father so that we can impact the world. Amen? All right, let me just give you some very practical, practical steps here. Is this all right if we get kind of practical? Tom is the visionary. I am the day-to-day practical guy. God always sees us in our future. There's a story of Gideon where Gideon basically said, I, I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. And God said to him, no, you are a mighty man. You are a mighty warrior. Can I give you a principle of the prophetic? God always sees us in our future. You may be stuck in something tonight, but God sees you in your future. Guys, I got to tell you, that, that's pretty good preaching right there. So I'm going to need you to just kind of... Right, he always sees us in our future, and that's the goodness of the prophetic. He doesn't see where you're at today, but he sees you in your future and who you're becoming. He is a becoming God. Ephesians 2.10 says that, essentially it says that he is preparing you right now for what he's already prepared for you. When I teach in YWAM, I always say to young people, so just relax. No man can rob your portion. What God has intended for you, no man can rob that portion. 
So just relax. He has a plan and a purpose for you. When we lay our hands on someone to begin to prophesy, the first, th- the first thing that we get is called a word of knowledge. And we receive that word of knowledge, and then we ask the Holy Spirit to continue to give us more information about that, that person. Sometimes the word of knowledge is not exactly what we need to share. God may give us a picture, and then we go from there. Let me give you a quick example that kind of ties all of this in in a very practical way. If you lay your hand on someone and you realize that that person has a problem with pornography, well, the whole room doesn't need to know that that person has a problem with pornography, right? Does that sound like God? King David said, my sin is ever before me. That person does not need to know what their sin is. Chances are they already know what their sin is. But they need to know what the solution is to their problem. So two things to just say to you tonight, God always sees us in our future. And when you prophesy, I want to encourage you to prophesy the solution, not the problem. Doesn't this sound like God? Doesn't this sound like Father God? That he's prophesying the solution to your problem. Let me give you a quick example of what that looks like. There's a young man comes forward. He has a problem with pornography. And God wants him free of the pornography and all the demonic spirits that are involved in that. But this is how it works for this young man. Let's say his name is, is Brad. Brad, the Lord says that you are, a man, you are a man of purity. You are a man of holiness. And the Lord says he is going to begin to cleanse your hands. He's going to begin to wash you and cleanse you. Because who will ascend the hill of the Lord? It is a man with clean hands and a pure heart. And that is who you're becoming. Now, isn't that different than what we would expect that we go forward? And, you know, some people come forward and and they're afraid to receive a prophetic word because they believe that there's going to be an uncovering of some of the sin that we've done. Right? I mean, have you ever been in that place where you're like, oh, I hope he's not too prophetic? I was always afraid to go to lunch with the prophetic people because they always kept staring at me, and I thought, oh, my, they're, they're kind of noticing some of my sin. God will not reveal to the prophet anything that has been covered over in the blood of Jesus. Let me say that again. You know, in the black church, they throw shoes at the preacher. You're welcome to do that tonight. God will never reveal to the prophet anything that has been covered over in the blood of Jesus. And so you don't have to worry about being encouraged or edified or built out because the Holy Spirit will not reveal anything that's covered in the blood of Jesus. For the sake of time, I just want to share three opportunities that I've had. And this is, this is life-giving. This is real, real stuff that is going on. Um, I prophesied for, to a, a young person who was, uh, who was suicidal. 
and I had no idea I was part of a I was part of a group, and uh, we were we were prophesying over a, a group of college students, and just to show you how real this is, I sensed a spirit of death was on this person. And one of the gifts that God has given me is a discerning of spirits. Uh, you don't have to be afraid to be around me. Um, I, I'm, I'm not that accurate, so you can, you can still hang around me. Um, but what happened was, this was an opportunity. I sensed the spirit of death in this person. And as I, as I was praying for this person, we just came against the spirit of death and broke that spirit of death. Anybody that has had recurring problems with car accidents, things like that, that is oftentimes a spirit of death. And if you have discerning of spirits, you get close to somebody that has that spirit, you can break that under the anointing of Jesus. Uh, We sense that spirit of death, we broke it in Jesus' name, and then we prophesied life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The enemy comes to rob, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The privilege of the prophetic is this. You can take somebody who not only said, if I don't hear from God tonight, I'm going to go home and commit suicide. And in a moment, to be able to go into that place, like the woman at the well, and speak life into that person, break a spirit of death, prophesy life, and then see that person grow and mature and walk with Christ. This person actually had a suicide note. They said, if I don't hear from God tonight, I'm going to end things. And God in his goodness, like the woman at the well, went to that person, broke the spirit of death over that person, and life was prophesied over them. We... We are a prophetic people. One last really quick story. There's a woman who has had physical problems for many, many, many years. And I had a prophetic word for her that you will not die. And I used this scripture, I think it's out of Isaiah, um, about having gray hair. And this woman uh, actually was, found herself in the hospital where she was, she was close to death. The priest came in. She remembered this prophetic word as it was rumbling around in her spirit. She could hear people talking in the hospital room. They called the priest in. This would be her last breath. But she said she heard in her spirit the word that God had given her through me. And she fought and she fought and she fought. I don't know if this woman dyed her hair, but she had 20 more years where she was given life and that more abundantly. We are freedom fighters. And we have the privilege of bringing people into an encounter with Jesus himself because Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Will you join me and be a freedom fighter? Will you go into all the world? The Great Commission. Go into all the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all things I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name.
So I had an experience Tuesday morning. We were praying together with the staff, and uh, we were praying over Freedom Fighters and over Tuesday night. And I just had this vision of Gideon in this wine press. He's threshing wheat in a wine press because... The Midianite army, there's 135,000 in the army, and they're oppressing Israel, and they're burning their crops, and so he has to thresh this wheat in a wine press, and, and an angel appears to him and says, mighty warrior. And Gideon says, no, no, I'm the least of the least of the least, and, and it's not me, and, and, and he's there. And so I'm just, I'm just about to pray. God, God is going to look people in the face and call them a mighty warrior, and I'm just about to lead out, and Joel leads out in prayer. And Joel leads out, God, this is going to be Gideon's army. You're coming to them just like you came to Gideon, and da-da-da-da-da, and I, I was very excited. And... Uh, we did another song, and I had a, a picture of um, somebody in prison. And there are people here tonight that the reason why you feel like you can't be a freedom fighter is you're still imprisoned yourself. You're still living under fear. You're still living under lust. You're still living under something, and I can't... I can't free others because I am not free. And what I saw that the Lord, here's how the Lord's going to raise up this army. He's coming right into prison. And he's looking you in the eyes. And he's saying, mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. And the word he gave was, is Do not disqualify yourself because you're not free yet. Your freedom is going to come as you free others. So I would would like the worship team to come on back up here. And I'm going to tell you how we're going to do the prayer time. Um, The first thing that I want to say, and this will be all three nights kind of a a beginning place in the in spiritual gifts is something called the baptism of the holy spirit and with it goes a prayer language Uh, it is in another tongue it is not interpreted it is a prayer language paul said i pray in tongues more than all of you yet in the church i'd rather use 10 words of my regular language than ten thousand words in a tongue this is a very important weapon to have in your bag the, the prayer language. And so all three nights, I'm going to give this opportunity. Ted and Derek are going to take anybody when, when I, we start doing the ministry time. If you do not have a prayer language and you would like one, or maybe you've been prayed for to get a prayer language, and maybe you have a few words, but you're not convinced that this is, uh, the, the, you, God wants to give you a release in your prayer language. So, um, when we do the ministry time, Derek, where are you, bro? There's Derek. Tad is going to join Derek, and they're going to take you just downstairs, not anywhere scary, just downstairs into the fellowship hall, 
And they're going to pray over you and get you, get the river flowing inside of you. And so if that is you, you and, and, and you want that, and you, you, you want, this is, this is part of getting the flow of the supernatural in your life. Um, when we start doing the ministry, I want you to just follow Derek. Derek, you want to go stand in that door, bro? And Ted's there too. And uh, so why don't we have the, the rest of us uh, stand? And I want the prophetic team at our church and our pastoral staff to come on down front here and stand over the front. We are going to do social distancing while we pray for impartation. Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift that is in you through the laying on of the elders' hands. There is an impartation in spiritual gifts. Guys, you can face, face this way. Face us. Face us and maybe three feet back because Ted's going to... Oh, where did Ted go? Ted, you have to help me on this part, bro. Derek, Derek will take them down and you can join. You don't go for the, until the second, remember? Did I, t- did I tell you to go over there? No. All right. I'm joking. I'm totally... Come on up, bro. Come on up here. Um, so during this song, we're going to pray for this team. And, uh, and release more. More of the prophetic. More that these guys... Everyone up here is already flowing in prophetic... And, but God wants to increase. There's always more. It's a, just in case you're saying, well, that's not going to be my gift. Listen, 1 Corinthians 14 says, all of you may prophesy. Simple prophecy, everybody can prophesy. It says, in the outpouring of the Spirit, I'm going to pour out my Spirit on men and women, and they will prophesy. I'm going to pour my Spirit out on sons and daughters. They will prophesy. So we're, we're going to pray for them, the first song. And then they are going to come up here, and we're going to have people come up and at that point, Tad and Derek will take anybody that wants the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. These guys are going to come up, and then I'll, we'll, we'll do that when we get to it. Let's do a song, and then we'll, we'll get there.